What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Talking About? presented by Fenley Road Sports. My name is Bob. As always, I'm talking sports with my older brother, Chris. We just spent a month talking about the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I did get a little tired of college basketball, but I'm really excited to be talking about some NBA basketball today. There are two games left for most teams in the regular season, and there are still a lot of questions about what the playoff situation is going to be. There are a lot of races, especially in the Western Conference. Uh, Seeding is a big issue. So we're just going to today spend time talking about all the seeding battles and the intriguing playoff matchups that could be. So, Chris, where are we going to start? Well, let's uh, start East. That's how we did our MLB preview. We started East and then moved West. So let's keep with the tradition and start East. And for me, and I would assume you too, the most intriguing matchup is the Boston, Brooklyn, Indiana, and kind of not really Miami battle for the last two spots in the East. Because being a Cleveland fan, they're locked into two, and I'm anxious to see which one of them they're going to have to play in the first round. I've been championing for Boston and really glad that Cleveland tanked those two games to Boston to help them get the seven because I think that is the team everyone wants to play in the first round. Yeah, definitely. But it's actually a a pretty interesting battle because Milwaukee has clinched the sixth spot. They have the tiebreaker over Boston and they are up two games. So even if they lose out, they will be the sixth seed. Brooklyn and Indiana and Miami cannot catch Milwaukee either. Boston actually holds all the cards. They have the breakers over the Nets and the Pacers, and the Nets have the breaker over the Pacers. The Heat need a Hail Mary miracle to make it. They need to win out, and they need the Nets and the Pacers to both lose out. That would then make a three-way tie for the eighth spot, which would then go to combined head-to-head record, which the Heat would have if you add up the head-to-head records of the Heat versus the other two teams and and all that stuff, the Heat would wind up with the eight seed. So there's a very slim chance the Heat could do it, but I'm not going to bet money on that because just looking at some of the schedules, Brooklyn has to play Orlando. Yeah, that pretty much seals it right there. And Indiana has to play Washington, who may or may not be trying to win that game. So... Yeah, I don't think the Heat are going to make it. So for all intents and purposes, or at least for this uh, podcast, I am eliminating the Heat, which means they'll probably win the eight seed. But <laughs> it's pretty much down to Boston, Brooklyn, and Indiana. And Bob, first, who do you want the Cavs to play in the first round? Because we are Cleveland fans, so we're going to look at it that way a little bit. Of those three teams, who do you most want to play and who do you mo- least want to play? And then who do you think are the final two uh, spots going to ultimately go to? Well, I, I'm agreeing with you. I I think if I'm Atlanta or Cleveland, I would want to play Boston just because I, I Isaiah Thomas is, is, has been a spark plug for them. But in terms of any kind of presence on the inside in the post and power forward and center play, I mean, they got nobody. And so the Hawks and the Cavs have some pretty big guys down there. They could definitely just take care of the Celtics pretty easily. Uh, that being said, the exact opposite could be said for for Brooklyn, for Indiana. You know, you have Roy Hibbert in Indiana. You got Lopez and the the kid from Duke. What's his name? Plumley. Plumley. Yeah, you got the good Plumley in Brooklyn. 
And those, I mean, those are just intimidating guys down low that I, I could, I easily see Cleveland and Atlanta for that matter, beating any three of these teams, but Brooklyn and Indiana, it would be kind of a dog fight, especially with Paul George on, on his comeback in Indiana. You don't want to give them any more reason for hope. So yeah, I, I would want to play Boston. I think it's going to play out. Boston is going to make, they're going to, they're going to be in that seventh seed. And I, I think it's going to stay the way it is with Brooklyn in the eighth seed. Uh, I, I just think that Brooklyn has no reason not to make the playoffs because they have no reason. No, they have no draft picks really <laughs> in the next like six years or something. So like, why not just try and, either a ruin somebody's season or you know let a miracle happen and 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 make a run in the playoffs so yeah I think Boston and Brooklyn are the teams we're going to be looking at I don't see either of them posing any kind of threat to Atlanta and Cleveland just because as we said about a month ago Atlanta and Cleveland are the only two legitimate teams in the Eastern Conference at this point so they're easily going to handle anybody who they play but uh, yeah Boston and Brooklyn yeah, I, I think Indiana is the one team they don't want to play because Indiana has a very strong post, very good defense, and now Paul George is back. And I think that combination is a recipe for disaster or at least a tougher-than-desired first-round series because in the first round, you really want to draw a weak opponent so you can take care of them fast and get more rest and load up for the long haul. And so I think that Atlanta and Cleveland would certainly be favored against any of these three teams. But I think Indiana is by far the most intriguing of the three because of the Paul George factor. I think that Roy Hibbert, David West, I think that could give a team a lot of problems, especially a team like Atlanta, who, yeah, they have Horford, but their post is not super scary. And I think that Indiana's yeah. post is the kind that can really take it to you down low and I don't see anyone on the perimeter who can guard Paul George on Atlanta. I don't. I just don't think Atlanta can handle Indiana the way Cleveland can. Because Cleveland does have LeBron James, he can obviously guard Paul George. They have a solid post with Thompson, Mozgov, and Love. They can match up a little better with Indiana, even though the Pacers always play a LeBron James-led team. Exceptionally tough. There is bitterness there. James and the Heat were in their way the last three seasons. So they certainly are going to come to play. There's that X factor too. So Indiana is the team I do not want to see if I'm in the first round. If I'm Atlanta, I also don't want to see Brooklyn because while they're not as good as Indiana, they do have some of the same problems. They will pose some of the same problems Indiana would. That is if they can consistently get, get it together on a consistency standpoint. Brooklyn has all the talent in the world. I don't understand why they're battling for the eighth seed. I mean, if you look at this team on paper, they should probably be better than both Milwaukee and Boston and at least fighting yep. for a top, you know, be in that mix for the three seed. I don't understand why this team is so inconsistent. So, But they, they certainly would pose some of the same challenges that Indiana does. Just they don't have a guy like Paul George on their team, so I don't think it would be as scary as Indiana. But Boston's the team everyone wants to see. This is a lottery team. This team is awful. This team got destroyed by Cleveland after it made its trades. Don't take anything that happened over the weekend seriously. They started Sean Marion. The Cleveland Cavaliers started Sean Marion. They played Joe Harris 
and Mike Miller for more than 20 minutes. This, those games over this weekend are not any sort of indication of what's going to yeah. happen in the playoffs. Boston is going to get a very quick series, whether they draw Atlanta or Cleveland in the first round. Kudos to Brad Stevens. Kudos to the Celtics for getting there. And I think they will because they have all the tiebreakers and they only need to beat Toronto or Milwaukee. And they might be playing a Milwaukee team on the last day of the season who's not going to care. So that means three of their last four games were punted to them. So I think they will get in. But I definitely want to play Boston over those other two. Yeah. And I also agree with you. I think it will be Brooklyn over Indiana because looking at the schedule, Brooklyn is versus Chicago versus Orlando. Two home games with an off day in between and Orlando is awful. Indiana versus Washington on Tuesday, still fighting for a little bit, though they might be resting by then. But the big one is at Memphis on a back-to-back to end the season. And as we'll get to in a bit, Memphis is going to have a lot to play for. I think Indiana splits. Brooklyn may split or go 2-0, but I think both teams are, are at least going to lose one game and it'll kind of hold the way it is. Yeah, definitely. I think Boston, they're kind of looking at each other like right now like, what are we doing here? <laughs> this was not meant to be. I mean, they have done a really good job stockpiling young talent and lots of draft picks, and now all of a sudden they're they're in the seventh seed for the playoffs. I think that they underestimated the tanking abilities of some of their eastern conference (laughs) companions and i mean kudos to them and for brad stevens and for the team for not also throwing in the towel but at the same time in terms of franchise building and building a real contender they are kind of shooting themselves in the foot right now yeah i think the long-term viability of the franchise and you always hate to see losing is rewarded but it is in the nba and it's been documented that losing is rewarded and boston's a team that needed to lose that needed to be in the top five top ten of the lottery again and add to this young core going to the playoffs sure you're getting some experience that's fine but it's going to be interesting to see what they get at the draft i mean certainly i mean a guy like Kawhi leonard fell to 15 you can find guys late but i don't think that you can find guys like Kawhi leonard that late on a very consistent basis. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Boston. Again, kudos to them for trying. This is the way it should be done. You should be trying to win, not tanking or rewarded for tanking. I hate it, but it's the reality of the situation. If you tank, you get a bigger pick, and in the NBA, a top three pick is like gold. You can get a franchise-changing player there. Yeah, absolutely. But... The race for number three is interesting, too, in that Eastern Conference because you've got Toronto and Chicago. Again, we mentioned Washington. They're two games back with two to play. So, you know, as far as we're concerned, they're practically eliminated. And I think even if they went out, they wouldn't get the three seed because at best they'd be tied with Toronto. And Toronto, as a division champion, would win any tie with a wild card. So even though Chicago beat Toronto head-to-head, Toronto, as a division champion, will win the three seed if the two wind up tied. Toronto is at Boston on Tuesday and then hosts Charlotte. That is a joke of a schedule. And then Chicago is at Brooklyn, a team with a lot to play for, and then versus Atlanta. Atlanta, obviously, will probably tank the last game of the season. Toronto's games are a back-to-back, though, Tuesday and Wednesday. Chicago is Monday and Wednesday. I think the big game of those four is the Brooklyn one. I think if Chicago loses to Brooklyn, they're probably going to wind up fourth. 
Yeah, definitely. And if I were Toronto and Chicago, I would be trying desperately to get that three seed. I mean, the difference between Milwaukee and Washington is as big a difference uh, as any two teams seated right next to each other. I mean, Washington, I know you you really like them as a team. I'm not sure if you still like them, but um, they're definitely ahead above what Milwaukee is at this point. And even if you can write off Washington, they're de- they're going to beat up whatever team they play. Uh, whoever plays Milwaukee is essentially getting a, a, a really easy matchup. So if I'm these two teams, I'm I'm pulling out all the stops to get that that three seed and play Milwaukee. Um, you know, I I think Toronto's going to pull it out as as what you said because Brooklyn does have something to to play for. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, Atlanta. They'll probably be resting everybody that game. So, I mean, chalk up a win to Chicago, but maybe – no, they're going to rest everybody. <laughs> I was going to say maybe they weren't. They're definitely going to rest everybody. They have nothing to play for. And Charlotte has nothing to play for on the flip side, so they might tank that game to Toronto. So both these teams kind of have a tank game, I think. I don't yeah. think Toronto's going to lose to Charlotte. I don't think Chicago's going to lose to Atlanta just because those other two teams, I don't see them trying. They have nothing to gain by trying. So it's really going to come down to can Chicago beat Brooklyn – on Monday, I think Toronto at Boston could be kind of a toss-up because Boston is at home and they do have a lot to play for. So maybe, but I would favor Toronto in that game. It, it really comes down to Chicago at Brooklyn Monday for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, don't you agree that this? I mean, this is a big difference in seeding. Oh, it's a huge difference. And if I'm Chicago, I want the three seed because I think. Washington causes a lot more problems for Chicago than they do Toronto. If you look at the Wizards' history, Toronto has owned Washington. They have struggled against the Raptors, the Wizards have. But against Chicago, the Wizards are a really juicy matchup. Just rewind to that first-round series that most people said the Bulls were going to win handily. Well, the Wizards had a lot to say about that, and they dispatched them with relative ease in the first round. I think they won three road games in that series. Then they went into the second round and played Indiana very tough. So this is a playoff-tested team with two really good stars in John Wall and Bradley Beal and a nice supporting cast. I'll talk more, but we'll talk more about them when we break down the playoffs next week. But I think if Chicago faces Washington in that first round, they could be in trouble of going home before the second round. Yeah, definitely. And I, Again, like we were talking about post players earlier, I think it's the Nene Gortat down low I mean that's matches up perfectly with what Chicago can throw at them and Noah and Gasol and Miritic so yeah if I'm Chicago I'm I'm desperate to play Milwaukee and it kind of stinks I I I like that they give the division champion the tiebreaker but they're very inconsistent with the division champion thing as we'll get to in a minute there's a little thing going out out west one of these odd seating rules that we'll certainly talk about here in a minute but I think they're very inconsistent with the division champion. I, I, the division champion can win a tie, but a division champion is not guaranteed to host a sixth seed in the first round if that sixth seed has a better record. It just doesn't make much of a sense. On one hand, you honor the record, but on the other hand, you honor the division champion. If I'm Chicago, I'm a little miffed that that head-to-head tiebreaker isn't coming into play because they do honor head-to-head if not head-to-head, but overall record if the five seed were to have a better record than the four seed, they'd get home floor. Yeah, it's a little messed up, and I don't, you know, we were just talking about this right before we started recording, and I, you, you told me some of these ridiculous tiebreakers and things. I'm just like, well, what's the point of the official seating if they don't reflect 
the home court advantages. I thought that was the whole point of seeding. So, yeah, it's a little weird and a little stupid. Um, hopefully they fix that at some point. I mean, I'm glad that the team with the best record gets to host in the first round. That seems to make sense to me. It does, but it can create a situation where it's better for a team to get the six seed over the five seed sometimes. Not anymore. That This was back when the top three division winners were guaranteed the top three seeds. Now the worst division winner would be placed in that four seed, so it's not as bad. But it can create some kind of interesting seeding possibilities if if things break down in a weird way. And so... Yeah, I think they just need to clarify something. Is the division champion special? If it is, then the division champion should not only have the tiebreaker, but host a first-round game. If you're going to make it special, make it special. Don't say, hey, you have the tiebreaker, but you can't host a first-round game if the team's better than you. Pick one or the other. You know, don't don't have these two different rules that in one situation the record comes into play, but in the other situation the division champion comes into play. That's the only problem I have with it. Just kind of pick a consistent set of rules and stick with it. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, let's move on to the Premier League. Yes, yeah, certainly. <laughs> Actually, I think uh, the I think if we were doing regu- re- relegation, the Cleveland Cavaliers would move up to the Western Conference next year and. That's probably it. The East is that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but this race has gotten a lot of publicity over the last uh, probably few months now, mainly because you've got really the debate between Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. That race for the eighth spot in the West has been intense. It's been down to the wire. And the Oklahoma City Thunder got a huge break when it rescinded that 16th technical on Russell Westbrook to avoid his suspension. The fan in me says, great, I'm glad he's on the floor. But at the same time, I believe this is the the second one he's gotten rescinded in the last month. I'm not too mad about it, though, because the, the technicals do get rescinded pretty regularly. They just don't hear about it that often because it's usually not this impactful. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think there's some mass conspiracy theory. And and besides, don't you want to see the Thunder win or try to get there with their best player instead of having it handed to New Orleans by sitting Russell Westbrook? I, I think the NBA did a, did a good decision there. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say it's a mass conspiracy, but I definitely think the NBA looked at the foul with soft eyes. I mean, there's no denying that they want Russell Westbrook playing against Portland. Uh, what is it, tomorrow night or tonight? I think it's tonight. Yeah, there's no doubt they want it, They want him playing tonight. I mean, it's on NBA TV. You know, you want your stars out there, and, and I. It's not like it's not like they're screwing the Pelicans out of a playoff seating. They're tied. They have, they both have two games. They both have a matchup against the Timberwolves. Like, go out and win your games, you know? <laughs> well, first off, the schedules are not really equal. They're both at Minnesota. So Minnesota is going to play a huge role in this battle if they want to. I don't think they want to. I think they want to hold on to that worst or go for the worst record in the NBA. So we can if if you can't beat a Minnesota team that's punting you a game, let's say a Minnesota team that's punting you a game, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs. So those two should yep. be wins. The difference, of course, will be their home games. Oklahoma City hosts Portland, a team with nothing to play for. They are locked into the four seed at 51 wins. They cannot move up, and as a division champion, they cannot move down. So 
that could be a game that Oklahoma City gets punted to. And then, unfortunately for the Pelicans, they get to host the Spurs, the last game of the season. And as we'll get to in a bit, the Spurs, no matter what happens, are going to have a ton to play for on Wednesday. They could fall all the way to sixth, potentially. And, yeah, it's... uh, not looking good for the Pelicans because the Spurs are going to come to play. So the, the Pelicans are probably going to go one and one. And again, just like with that Chicago thing, I think the difference is going to be can Oklahoma City beat Portland tonight? If I'm Portland, I'm, I'm resting my players. I mean, I've I've had such a rash of injuries. Why, why, risk, why, why risk anything? So I think Oklahoma City definitely has the advantage in schedule. I think they're going to come out and win tonight. I mean... Watching both these guys play, Westbrook and Davis, has probably been one of the most fun things to watch in basketball in recent memory, especially in terms of an MVP race. I mean, talking about two guys that are putting the team on the back on their backs and just willing their team into the playoffs, it's been pretty impressive and pretty uh I don't know, it's just like it's been more than just watching two good basketball players. It's been kind of just exciting to watch them play. So I'm so happy that's coming down to the end between the two. Uh, But yeah, I think Oklahoma city is going to pull it out. They're going to win the eighth seed and then they're going to just slowly fade away against golden state because golden state's really good. Oh, I don't even think it's going to be a slow fade. I think it's going to be a real quick chop. I think, I think golden state's going to handle either of these teams though. I do think they'll struggle a little more with, um, New Orleans because I think Anthony Davis poses some more problems down low than maybe Russell Westbrook would not to discount Westbrook Westbrook of course but either way I mean I I don't see either of those teams winning taking that series beyond five games yeah I mean the Pelicans are Anthony Davis and have are nothing without him the Thunder definitely need Westbrook but they have a much better supporting cast so I think the Thunder would offer a better challenge to any team just because of the experience and the talent that surrounds Westbrook. But yeah, I, Anthony Davis would give any team trouble. <laughs> yeah, certainly. But I think the the Warriors will handle either of these teams, which kind of makes it wonder. It's like, well, we're talking about an eighth seed, uh, sort of a sacrificial lamb. But this is one of the more intriguing races for an eighth seed because these two teams are really good. I think if either of these teams were in the East, they'd probably be a top four team. Yeah, and think about this. If the Pelicans win that eighth seed, all five teams from the Southwest Division are in the playoffs. That's insane. The first time it's happened since 2006. And in 2006, it was the Eastern Conference Central. Is that what the Yeah, it was the Central. It was with the, the Cavs, the Pistons, the Bucks, And yeah, yeah, all, the, all five of those teams made it. I remember that. Yeah, the big difference being the Pacers and Bulls were both – at exactly 500 and the bucks were below 500 and they all made the playoffs i mean the southwest division this year all five teams are playoff eligible and will be at least five games above 500 so i think this is like a historically dirty division to play in. i mean props to all five of them for being this good at the same time how bad was that eastern conference if the fifth place team in a division who's under 500 could still make the playoffs what does that say about those other two divisions yeah, they were, they were really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. And you keep waiting for this thing to balance out, but it's been this way for a long time, this whole East-West thing. But I, I agree with you. I do think Oklahoma City is going to get that spot, and it's just simple math. Portland is not going to try 
because they've already had some significant injuries. They certainly don't want anything to happen. And then Minnesota shouldn't be trying. They're probably going to punt that game, and they don't need to do much to punt a game. I think Oklahoma City goes 2-0. I think New Orleans goes 1-1. However, if Oklahoma City stumbles, I don't see them making it because I think if New Orleans has the tiebreaker, and I, I certainly think New Orleans will beat Minnesota, it just comes down to can they pull a sort of miracle upset over San Antonio, and I, I'm not very confident that they will. I think the Spurs, with everything to play for, is going to be too much for New Orleans, even if it is in New Orleans. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. All righty, take your aspirin or Tylenol because you're about to get a headache with this next seeding battle. It is an insane race <laughs> for the two, three, five, and six seeds. And I say that because, as we mentioned before, as a division champion, Portland is locked into the number four spot, which means they cannot be seeded lower than fourth. They are also three games behind all four of these teams fighting for the two, three, five, and six, which means they cannot move up to three. What that also means is that Portland will be playing on the road. The five seed, whoever wins the five seed, will host the Portland Trailblazers in the first round of the NBA playoffs. One of those weird rules. But it's down to San Antonio, who is actually a half game ahead of everyone because they only have one game left, as we mentioned, at New Orleans on Wednesday. The Clippers, Memphis, and Houston. The other three are tied at 54 wins. So let me just break this down for you real quick. The complicating factor is that three of those teams play in the aforementioned Southwest Division. The winner of that division would win any tie with a wildcard team. So that's obviously going to come into play here. The Spurs, Grizzlies, and Rockets still fighting for that division crown. The Spurs have a half-game lead, but it's actually Memphis that controls its own destiny for the division because they have the tiebreakers over San Antonio and Houston. San Antonio has the tiebreaker over Houston. The Clippers hold the tiebreakers over the Spurs and the Rockets, but must continue to win to ensure a breaker over the Grizzlies because they split the series. So it's going to come down to conference record. The Clippers must either win their last two games or win once while Memphis loses to Golden State on Monday. So if that makes sense in any way, long story short, it's going to be a crazy race to the finish. Looks like the Clippers and Grizzlies have sort of the inside track as the tiebreakers go. Bob, who do you th- how do you think it's going to shake down, and how do you want it to shake down? Well, I want it to shake down with San Antonio finishing in that second seed just because we everybody had written them off probably a month and a half ago, and now they're in control of the second seed, which is just ridiculous to think about. I mean, I knew they were on a comeback, but I opened up the standings just a few days ago and saw that they were in second place, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> when did this happen? So um, that's just like a really good story and really impressive. And I, you know, I San Antonio beat Cleveland and their one finals appearance, but I have no ill will towards them. They're just so good and so talented and so classy that I always wish them well. So I hope they they finish second. But so you said the Clippers and the Grizzlies have the inside track. Yeah, the Clippers and the Grizzlies seem to have the inside tiebreaker track. Unless the Grizzlies beat the Warriors tonight, then I think the Grizzlies would have the breaker over the Clippers. But that might all be for naught because if Memphis wins the division, they'd have the tiebreaker anyway. Gotcha. Well, the Warriors don't really have anything to play for at this point. So 
I'd be surprised if the Warriors play a full four-quarter game against the Grizzlies. So I think the Grizzlies do have a, a pretty easy going schedule. I mean, if they're trying to, to get the second seed, I definitely think they'll do it. So, yeah, yeah I think I think they're going to get it. The one thing, though, is that their last game is probably the toughest. They host Indiana, who has everything to play for. Indiana is going to need to win out no matter what, I think. So that's going to be a tough one because Indiana is going to come to play. When you compare the Clippers, the Clippers have Denver and Phoenix, and that's a back-to-back Monday and Tuesday. So at Phoenix, the second night of a back-to-back is not easy. And they actually finished their season a day early. Houston is at Charlotte and versus Utah. I think both of those should be wins if you're trying to fight for anything. So, yeah, that's definitely the easiest of these four teams. Man, this going to be interesting, and I am confusing myself as I think about it and try and make a prediction. But um, I, just, I just see Memphis, you know, they, they sat in second for so long. I see them beating the Pacers. I mean, there's no reason they could not beat the Pacers I mean they're they're a lot better than than Indiana so yeah I'm, I'm still picking Memphis to finish second then probably Houston then LA I mean I don't know uh the scenarios with that working but that's what I foresee happening and that's kind of unfortunate because then we aren't going to get a lot of those fun matchups that we wanted with like San Antonio playing Houston or Dallas playing Houston but that's okay yeah, I'm trying to think about it too because it's it is a very confusing scenario. But I'm going to tell you what I want to happen. I want the Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, and Clippers not to play each other in the first round. So however it shakes out, I don't want a Memphis Portland first round series. I want one of those th- other three teams to get that 5 seed and then make sure that Memphis finishes 3rd. So that way, it won't have to play, you know You know what I mean? That that way, Memphis won't be in the 2-7 game. Because if Memphis yeah. gets the 2, that means the Spurs would have to play one of these other teams in the first round. And that's going to be brutal for anyone. Yeah. I would like the Spurs to get second, too, because the Spurs-Mavericks would be an awesome series. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I actually do agree with you. I think Memphis is going to win out and get the number two seed. I think Houston is going to win out. But if San Antonio beats New Orleans, it would have the breaker over Houston. And I think the Clippers should win out and get that three seed. So I think it's going to be Memphis, Clippers, then Spurs in the five, and Houston in the six. Man, that's... Crazy that Houston is, is going to finish in the sixth seed to think about that. Right, and then face the Clippers in the first round. Yeah, that's just weird. <laughs> that That's a potential Western Conference final in the first round. I mean, those two teams are legit. And then you have yeah. the Spurs and the Blazers. And then how, if the Spurs finish fifth and you're the Warriors, you're like, man, I got to face the Spurs in the second round? This isn't fair. <laughs> well, I think you could could insert team into that sentence. I mean man, I got to play the Grizzlies in the second round or the, the Clippers. I mean, the West is just so stacked, man. Outside of Dallas and whoever wins that eighth seed, the the top six teams could easily easily win the title. I would agree. I think Dallas, yeah, I would say Dallas is, another, is better than the eighth seed, but not on the same level as those other six. I'd agree with that. 
Yeah. I really wish Dallas and Houston were able to play in the first round just because they hate oh. each other so much. And the Chandler Parsons Parsons thing, that would be nice. Yeah, and that's just like that was the latest in what is a great rivalry between Daryl Morey and, and Mark Cuban. <laughs> like they just don't like each other at all and they're they're very public about it. That would have been awesome to see that for seven games. Yeah, and the Spurs and the um Mavericks would be nice too because they've played some very meaningful playoff series over the years, including last year. They were the Mavericks almost pulled an eight-one upset. They took them to seven games. The NBA yeah. champions almost lost in the first round, which is crazy. That tells you how stacked the West is. But yeah, I also would say that Portland, even though they're going to be fourth, is also kind of on Dallas's level just because of the injuries they've had. They've had a couple of significant injuries. And I, I just think that they don't have enough to compete in that conference. If they were in the East, I think they'd be like the number one seed. But in the West, I, I'm just I don't think they have enough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you need all the all the firepower you can get in the Western Conference, and they're just losing people left and right. So yeah, I agree with you. They're they're limping to the finish line, and you can't do that in the Western Conference. Certainly not. But regardless of what happens, the West is going to be very fun. And certainly at least one, probably two, very interesting could-be conference final matchup is going to materialize in this first round when we talk about it next week when we finally have a bracket to look at. And yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty sweet to see how this all shakes down. I'm a little more confident about the Eastern Conference picture than the West just because these yeah. four teams, I mean, they a lot can happen over these last few days. It's, it's real tight and team could fall from two to six it's it's insane but that's the wild west for you man yeah do you do you remember our eastern conference predictions about a month ago for the seventh and eighth seed i remember mine i believe i picked miami and detroit yeah i picked miami and indiana can you believe that none of those are probably going to come true (laughs) i mean indiana can make it but yeah indiana can make it you could get one me i um I made this prediction after Chris Bosh got hurt, too, because we both knew about Chris Bosh's injury. So we both still thought the Heat had enough. But my cousin and I were talking, as as you know, our cousins are from Detroit. And he was like, Chris, you realize we figured it out. I think the Pistons went like 2-12 and 12 ever since I predicted they'd win the 8th seed. So I think I cursed <laughs> them. Man, that that's amazing. How did you, what did you do and say to, to put a curse on Detroit? I have no idea, but I should probably say that I think the Tigers are going to win the AL Central and the World Series right now. So that way, hopefully, some of that magic carries over the baseball. I mean, you already made the podcast last week, dude. You know who you picked, and it's all going to be on you when it doesn't happen. I know who I picked. Hey, man, it's only six games. It's only six games. Long baseball season. No worries. for sure. No worries. But let's just say my World Series champion is not starting off on the right foot. No, no, sir. Did you get to watch a lot of baseball? I I actually went to the Indians game on Sunday. And I think everyone on my Facebook feed went to the Indians game on Sunday because I saw like (laughs) at least, I'm not even kidding, like seven or eight people post, hey, I'm at the Tribe game. I'm like, man, this is crazy. So it was kind of cool in that regard. But I will say, if you are a Clevelander and you've gone down to the Jake, yes, I still call it the Jake, you should check it out because the renovations to Jacobs Field are awesome. And 
yeah, they really did. They really did a great job at the right field district and whatnot. So it was pretty cool. I mean, I've been going to the stadium for a long time, but kind of felt a little new, a little more refreshed. And so hopefully they'll get get some get get some good attendance figures this year because they haven't been drawing well the last couple seasons. So hopefully this will kind of inject some some new life and get some people out to the ballpark this year. Yeah, yeah, I certainly hope so. So I, I've certainly heard about the Masters. I watched the last few holes of the master but how about jordan spaith he is seven years younger than me at 21 years old he wins the masters at 18 under domination man and he missed the putt on 18 that would have set the record that would have broke tiger woods's record from 1997 but i think he'll settle for the green jacket and the tie in that department it's just insane i mean did you watch much of it or I was able to, you know, tune in and out. I, I enjoy watching the coverage because they do a really good job of just showing you awesome golfers the whole time and, and they don't really bore you. So I was able to turn it on when, when I wasn't busy moving and watch a little bit of it. Uh, yeah, man, he was killing it. And that was awesome to watch. I think that's what golf needed if there wasn't like a Tiger Woods or Royal McElroy in the mix. And so they got that, like something to excite the viewers into watching. And and Phil Mickelson and Roy McElroy, they both finished, I think, in the top five. So you also had that star power. But yeah, kudos to him, man. That was pretty cool to see. Well, it was awesome. But how bad do you feel if you're Phil Mickelson and Justin Rose? They shot 14 under and they finished second. Yeah. yeah. And Roy and McElroy shot 12 under and he finished fourth. I mean, goodness, what more do you yeah. have to do to win this thing? That's just crazy. You had uh, five people, including uh, Hideki, I can't say his last name, I do apologize, but he shot minus 11. So you had five golfers shoot under minus 10, and you're sitting there with a minus 11, you're fifth on the leaderboard. That's just insane. So it's not like those guys golf bad. It's just this kid just destroyed everyone with his minus 18 and, you know, kudos to him. 21 years old makes me feel a little old, even though I'm pushing 29. But, hey, awesome. And hopefully he can, you know, because he's an American, so it's nice to cheer for a guy from the USA to win some of these things. Hopefully he and Rory, I mean, it seems like they're they're the future of golf. I mean, I, I don't like to overreact after a guy's first major victory, but it's cool. I mean, he won in a dominant fashion, and hopefully this is the sign of things to come. And hopefully it's a sign of, you know, him and Rory and some of these other young guys going head to head like this in a number of different majors. Yeah, definitely. Definitely fun to watch. Well, the other side storyline, not another side storyline, but Tiger Woods minus five, uh, by far his best finish in a long time, tied for 17th. So it's good to see him kind of get a, a second win, maybe. Maybe he has one last push and gets one more major. I don't think he'll break the record now, Jack Nicholas's record, of course. Because uh, five more majors is a lot to ask from him, especially the way he's played and at his age. But it would be nice to see him just sort of get back on top one more time and add one more major to his collection. And he's been such a great golfer. I think he's been so great that people don't appreciate how great he's been because yeah. it's one of those situations where he set the bar so high that unless he shoots a minus 20, people are going to say he was disappointed. But it's it's kind of crazy just how great of a golfer he's been, and I think we've been a little spoiled by him. So it would be nice to see him get back on top and, and add one more major to his collection. Yeah, definitely. It's always better when Tiger is playing well. 
Alrighty, man. Well, we have covered a ton of ground in this podcast, but I would like to end with a sort of melancholy shout out to Lauren Hill. If you don't know her story, you should, because the 19-year-old college basketball player passed away last week after a long bout with cancer. She was diagnosed with a brain tumor, but she didn't let that hold her back in the last days of her life. She managed to raise $1.5 million for cancer research through her nonprofit foundation, The Cure Starts Now, and inspired many professional athletes and athletes around the world along the way. At 19 years old, diagnosed with a brain tumor, but she still managed to go out there and live her life and raise a lot of money. But what touched me the most was that the NCAA Hiram College and a couple other people came together to make her dream come true. She always wanted to play in a college game, and it looked like she wouldn't be able to. So the NCAA moved the game up a couple weeks. Hiram College offered to play at Mount St. Joseph instead of at home because she was too sick to travel. Xavier University offered to play the game at a 10,000-seat arena to accommodate demand. The game sold out, and she couldn't shoot with her right hand because her condition had deteriorated. But in the first 17 seconds of the game, she scored a layup with her left hand. So she scored the first two points of the game and her college career. And it was really cool. And then she came back in at the end and scored another field goal from the right side. It was actually the last field goal of the game. But the stories like this, it's just refreshing to see that the NCAA, Hiram, and Xavier came together and did the right thing and allowed her to play in a college game. And she's obviously not going to have the college career she should have. But stories like this are what sports are really all about. So I'm just happy to see a lot of these schools come together and give someone like Lauren an opportunity to at least taste a college career that I'm sure she wanted to experience uh, so much. So may Lauren Hill rest in peace. And if you haven't read up on her story, I encourage you to do so because it is a very inspiring one. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, yeah. It's moment like moments like those that give you pause to, to be thankful for what you have and, be thankful that there are people out there that are inspiring you and, and other people that are w- willing to help others in need. So yeah, definitely well said, Chris. All righty. Well, yeah, thank you guys for listening once again. Uh, like I said, next week we're going to be talking a little more NBA with the playoffs starting. It's going to be fun. We'll probably uh, break down once the dust is cleared over this intense MVP race as well and sort of give up some final thoughts on that. But next week the matchups will be set. The brackets will be Uh, set in stone and we'll be able to break down the matchups for you so we're very much looking forward to that too and of course there's more sports around the corner we'll have some more surprises for you here at familyroadsports.com but please visit the website subscribe to us via itunes thank you for your continued support of our podcast and follow us on twitter Sports. and yeah it's great talking with you again bob we'll do this again next week yeah definitely talk to you soon chris all right man take it easy